Excellent. Good evening, everybody. Tonight, you're an exclu- exclusive crowd because we're not live casting tonight. So all those people at home that tuned in, there's a big message saying, you should have been here. <laughs> no, there really is. <laughs> uh, this, is t- this is the Sofa series. and uh, This Sofa series that I'm doing where we're going to interview one or two people about different aspects of life and their life and re- living real life as Christians. So in a few minutes' time, I'm going to invite somebody very, very special up here onto this sofa so I can have a bit of a special so- a sofa time with them. Uh, I like a good sofa session with people. Um, Get a bit of Netflix on and just chill together. So, (laughs) it's not being broadcast, I can say anything I like. (laughs) The the title of this sofa series, My Life is Full, sofa series, My Life is Full, Uh, comes from Jesus' words in John chapter 10, verse 10. I have come in order that you might have life, life in all its fullness. Life in all its fullness. That's why Jesus is here. Life in fullness. Now, I'm wondering what that looks like. And over the Sofa Session series, we're going to chat about that, what that looks like in some people's lives. So, fullness. What is fullness? Is it being busy? Is it stuff? Is it jobs? Is it responsibilities? Is it pressure? Can all that stuff, when you say full, people think that way, but that's kind of black and white TV thinking. Um, I, I came across some old family photos this week because we've been having a bit of a reminisce week, and we found some photographs of my dad sat in front of his groovy new telly. And I can say groovy because it was like 1967 or something like that. And it was apparently a widescreen 14 inch TV. And it was all like curvy and weird. There was more box and case, and it's like telly thing in the middle. Wow, and that apparently was cutting edge. It was like, we have made it. We have made it as a family. We've made it. I wasn't born. We have made it as a, well, I was just. We've made it as a couple. We have a black and white TV. Wow. Black and white TV life. I kind of think when Jesus talks about a full life, life of fullness. It's more than that. It's kind of fulfilling life. It's purpose life. It's call. It's opportunity. It's passion. It's vision. It's an eye on the future being right now. It's an identity and a belonging thing. It's a reason for breathing. It's a living in real life. It's kind of, compared to my dad's old 1967 TV, it's an ultra high definition 4K 3D living kind of telly. Anybody got one of those? 4K, ultra-high definition, 3D TV. Wow. 4K, ultra-high DTV. Oh, yeah. We, oh, Jill, we've made it. We're like my... No, but it's HD. 4K. We are like my dad in 1967. And one day, my kids are going to stand there and say, My dad, in 2017, had this telly. That's what you can do, Meg, isn't it? In John 3.16, with exactly that voice, in John 3.16, Jesus says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed by, need be destroyed. By believing in Jesus, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. There's a fullness. There's something in Jesus that is so much more than black and white. There is something in Jesus that's so much more than just pressure or doing or having. It's bigger than that. It's a reason for. It's why we breathe. It's something we can only grasp when we discover Jesus. 
And there's that step of faith required to step into this fullness of life. So you step from black and white into colour, but you don't know it's going to be colour until you make that step. And so it's an exciting moment. But when you make that step into full life, into fullness, into full colour, into 4K living, it doesn't finish there. God then begins to do something with our lives. And the place that we are, what we're doing, the reason we live, the decisions we make, and the career paths we have, the hobbies that we have, the families that we have, the friendships and connections that we have, are all influenced by this 4K Jesus living, by this fullness of life. And that's what we're going to look at. And I'm going to chat with someone in a few minutes' time about that. I'm interested that Jesus said, just before he was killed, again in the book of John, uh, a letter written by a guy called John, one of Jesus' disciples. And he says this in John 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's life. Knowing God, knowing Jesus. That's fullness. It's so much more than just, hey, I've got a great career. I've got a nice car. Actually, none of those things are promised by God. What is promised is knowing God the Father, knowing Jesus. That is something else. That is life. Writing about Jesus' life, uh, this is said again in John, oh, I've gone all John tonight, in John chapter 20, verse 30. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. There's something about this Jesus character that changes our life. And once you've made that step from black and white TV into colour in Christ, there's no going back. Has anybody ever had a broken television set and gone back to black and white? It's crushing. It's dreadful. Colour TV to black and white TV, it's like... PlayStation, whatever we're on now, back to Sega Mega Drive. Actually, which is quite cool in its own retro way. But there's nothing cool or retro about stepping back into our unsaved self. Something exciting about stepping into tomorrow's day. Tonight, I'd like to introduce you to somebody that we're going to chat about, uh, chat with and chat about. Would you welcome to the sofa for a quick session with his pastor, Gary John Barnes. Woo! Give it up for Gary John. Come on. Actually, Gary John, the primary reason I'm not, uh, I'm not being filmed tonight is that I'm sat below the lights. I'm very sweaty and I'm bald, <laughs> and it will be very, very shiny. Um, so I decided tonight we'd, uh, we'd, not, we'd not broadcast. It's um, good, Ian. It? It's, it's all right, okay. isn't it? It's particularly good that you can't see anybody. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's Rachel. I want to ask you a few questions, just chat about you. I've known you for many years. Many uh, years. So, so very, I think we were about 18. Yes, uh, that was a lad. I believe you lived not far from here, and uh, you had a little spiral staircase to your bedroom. And oh, you had my a little life. Flat so, yeah, I do remember that flat. Um, I remember you saying, I'm sitting my degree for the yeah. 23rd time, and eventually <laughs> I will pass it. Um, that, that was the mid-80s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what I want to chat about tonight is um, when you find that passion... Or in that, in that interest in Christ, that, that aliveness yeah. that it brings to you. Um, so, 
when you became a Christian, was it for you just like the next hobby, the next interest thing in your life? You know, you'd done your degree, you'd done stuff as a kid, and you became a teenager at uni. So, uh, you know what, I'll try this new hobby, I'll do this Christian thing. No, uh, for me, becoming a Christian was... Um, I actually became a Christian outside of church as a young lad. Um, I'd often wondered if God existed. And... Um, from my bedroom you could see the local Anglican church and the bell used to ring every um, Sunday and people used to go and I thought to myself one day I'm going to go there and ended up going actually I was asked to be godparent to my, my, at my niece's um, christening service and I went to the church and I felt like you know I felt the presence of God um, I didn't realize it then but I felt that I'd come home I thought this is where I need to be and um, so at the age of 15 or 16 that, that's when that's when I made my commitment to Christ. So did you have a, like a, a teenager a, a with a black leather jacket? Oh, come on, cool. Yeah. So you, you did actually have a moment off cool. Trying to be cool, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It was a brief time, that, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I just, yes. <laughs> yes. So In fact, were, this is the coolest I've been all day, Simon. Yeah. Um, you, you, you didn't have a background of Christianity, background of church no, or faith? No, not at all. No. Having said that, uh, my parents and my family, God-fearing people, and you know, they'll say things like, if everybody lived by the Ten Commandments, then the world would be a better place. Um, but I have found out in the last few years that way back, like two or three generations back, one of my great-great-grandparents was a very um, committed Christian lady, went to the local chapel. And I, I just like to think, you know, that so many generations back, somebody was praying for the generations. Oh, that's that it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Yeah, that's my good feeling. We, know, we discovered just recently, we were chatting doing family history, we discovered that some great-grandparent was yeah. one of the leading lights in the Salvation Army. Oh, she was fantastic. like, big awesome. service, your family or my family? Awesome. But there was a... Yeah. yeah. Big, we had a big Salvation yeah. Army lady that... that uh, yeah. And apparently she yeah. went to chapel every Sunday. Fantastic. So, um, tell me about your so education. You were educated as a, as a small I w- boy? I went to school, yes. Very good. <laughs> uh, but you're not from this area, are you? You're from, no, you're from I'm from the, the mid- Midlands. Midlands. So, I'm neither s- north or south. I'm not sure what I am, really. Kind of caught somewhere in the middle um, in Warwickshire, and I went to school there. I actually had a place at Nottingham University to do modern history. Very good. And um, got involved in a Christian rock band and a drama group, and met one or two people, and didn't get the required grades, which the hand of God was upon me because um, what I really, my passion at that time, I just all I wanted to do, all I could think about was being a, an actor. And I found this place called Bretton Hall College and I applied there and got in and I lived in this area. That's great, when I think about you, I think about your uh, teenagers when I first met you, you were yes. going to be an actor. That you was were my dream. I am an actor. Actor. That, that's yes. what you were. That's what you began to do to begin. Your first employment was self-employed yeah. drama group. Me and Pat, is Pat around tonight? Pat? Yeah, she is. Yeah, Pat and I and one or two other friends of ours, we set up this touring theatre company going around all the schools in Barnsley and churches and preaching the gospel through drama and one or two other things. But you also had an international singing career. <laughs> yeah, I went to Prague with Dennis and co. Well, and we, in fact, you had an international mime career, didn't you? I had you? an international miming career. Marcel Marceau, uh, eat your heart out. Uh, yeah. I am also like you, I'm an international speaker. Yes, I, have spoken, <laughs> I spoke in I've Prague. spoken in other countries, <laughs> therefore I am an international speaker. Yeah, yeah we've, look, we've done all. We, it's, been, it's been an adventure. I serving, recall on occasion you, you uh, forced a good friend of ours to drink uh, 
through a very sweaty, one of your very sweaty socks. Oh, yes. That, that, whilst that, we were on one of those mission trips. That was a youth event, and as an icebreaker, um, we got two people up from the audience to kind of drink a can of Coke through um, a smelly sock. And, uh, yeah, done all sorts of crazy things. Yeah. All because you were a Christian. All because I was a Christian. Yeah. Okay. One big adventure. But education has loomed large in your life. From yeah. being a young man, you wound up in education, having qualified. Yeah. Wound up as a primary teacher. I did. And then you've gone on to that. Uh, in fact, you used to visit me in Goldthorpe. you remember when I taught in Goldthorpe? I you used do. to come in and yeah, yeah. do the boilers and stuff, yeah, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, visited yeah. you in your classroom many years yes, ago. Yes, 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 yes. So uh, you education. went on into education. I did. Tell me a little bit about your education, because your, your, your time in education has not been a typical one. It's been unorthodox. From A-levels to degree, you know, people weren't, there weren't many people doing drama degrees in the 80s. And then I finally um, graduated from Bretton Hall College after one or two attempts. And uh, <laughs> went to North Riding College in Scarborough and did my post-PGCE there in early years education. Not many guys kind of training for early years education. Um, still not many. Um, and I ended up where it's, not, it's, it's a housing estate. Old people say this, don't they? It's a housing estate now, the school where I first taught, Lonka Primary School. And I taught there for a term and then ended up teaching reception in year one in Goldthorpe for five or six years. So, and uh, you're very much part of that community and very happy there, very happy and content just but what teaching in, the, in What has Jesus got to do Goldthorpe? with uh, your education? What has Jesus got to do with your career? What has well, he got to do with your life? I mean, is this not just... If we talk about education... Really, what it, for me, what it boils down to is building relationships with children and loving children. And there's a verse in the Gospel, it's in a couple of the Gospels actually, it says, whoever welcomes one of the least of these, Jesus was re referring to chi children, whoever welcomes one of the least of these in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. So by working with children and serving children and helping them um, to find Jesus we're actually welcoming God. And that's something I've kind of learnt in high sight. I just love kids um, and working with children. And out of that love and passion for working with children and seeing them learn and grow and develop, um, I've kind of realised that there's a bigger picture to it. God has got a grand design over and above this wonderful love that I have for kids and working with children, and I still get a great deal amount of pleasure from working with kids and seeing them respond. Um, God's doing stuff at a much grander scale, over and above working with children in classrooms and mopping their brows after they've had a difficult playtime or whatever. So out of that passion for working with kids, I've kind of ended up doing all sorts of other things in education that I would have never have dreamed of doing like being a head teacher of a Christian school that was the last thing on my mind and then for some crazy reason somebody says to me do you want to try doing some inspection work for us and ended up going into um, Muslim schools all over the country and in inspecting them and meeting and greeting Muslim clerics and head teachers and working with colleagues in um, all sorts of different situations and ended up inspecting a school in uh, David he was prime minister at the time David Cameron's constituency and I'm sat there with one or two chief inspectors and they're saying, oh yeah, um, some of our management are talking with the cabinet today about all sorts of educational issues. And I'm just sat there typing away at a computer, writing about buildings and premises. And I think, Lord, 
the stuff going on, the ramifications of us just serving in the very small, what we appear to be the very small things, you know, looking after children. God can take that servant heart and that just, that radical obedience of being willing to do what he calls you to do and you end up in the strangest of places doing the most unexpected things that have actually much bigger consequences. Now, you, know, you couldn't plan it. It has to be all that kind of exciting cream on the cake stuff happens when you're radically obedient to the call of God on your life. And so you, then God can do magical things. So you've done, you've done uh, learning, you've done teaching, yeah. you've done education, you do consultation, yeah. you're doing research now, you've yes. done inspection. Yeah. Uh, this sorts, is not really. sounding like Jesus is useful on a Sunday. This is every day. <laughs> well, it's kind of, yeah, yeah. And the reason I've ended up doing these things because I was obedient to the call of God in my life as a teenager. And for me, taking these steps, it's all, we kind of mentioned it, I think you mentioned it earlier, it's about taking steps of faith. And that initial step of becoming a Christian is a step of faith. You don't have all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. You take that step of faith. And then God says, right, come out onto the water with me now. We're going to do this together. And then you, you end up thinking, right, I've got that sorted. And then God says, right, come on, let's go and do this together. Come and follow me. And um, really, without Jesus, and none of this has been planned. It's all, it's all kind of come across my path, if you like. These things have happened coincidentally. But in it all, there have been a number of occasions when I pray and said, Lord, I just need to know if what I'm doing is in your will. Because if it's not according to your will, then it's just hot air. It's meaningless. It's just activity. It's information. And, you know, what I'm looking for is revelation and and Holy Spirit activation. And uh, every now and again, God's very kind. And he just gives you a sign, a little reminder. And again, you have to take those by faith. You know, God's not going to write it on the wall. You are in the right place at the right, you know. There are just sometimes that you're seeking God, you're wanting to know, is this the right thing? Should I be going into this area? Should I be doing this? Should I be, you know, you mentioned research. I've applied to do this um, research, uh, this PhD at Huddersfield Uni in in faith education and Ofsted, and it's all very controversial stuff and could be very, very exciting. But if that's all it is... What on earth is the point? But if the hand of God is on that, if the call of God is in that, if, if the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, follow me, follow me, come on, let's do this together. In fact, you're not doing it on your own. You work, in fact, you're following in my footsteps. Just, and when you get into this room, just sit there, behave yourself and do as you're told. That's what the Holy Spirit says to me because I, I have a, sometimes I, I get a bit carried away and talk too much. So the Holy Spirit right says, he says, so, as you're speaking so too much, go. let me just ask this question uh, then. God's in it all. Um, I, I'm None of it's planned. I'm interested that, uh, <laughs> just butting in there, because um, time's running out. Um, I'm just interested that um, we've often looked at you over the years and people have said over you and over your life, hey, Gary John's got a prophetic edge, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is mm. prophecy. You've often yeah. thought you've moved in a prophetic word and yeah. insight but revelation into the life of the church. Yeah. Um, so presumably as a guy that's connected to the Holy Ooh. Spirit, you are a Christian, you should really be moving towards being a, a, a connect group leader or a church leader because um, that, that, that's the <laughs> pinnacle of Christian life, isn't it? Oh, um, yeah. To, yeah, to, with to the briefcase. A, to be a pastor. Uh, yeah. Um, and have somebody carry a Bible for you. And this, but you've not gone in that direction. No. Do you think, do you think that... 
that in your sphere of life, yeah. you might bring a prophetic word on a Sunday morning, hmm. but is it possible that how you are living and where yeah. you're living and the research you're looking to do is that's in fact itself prophetic? That's exactly it. And again, I have to say, and I'm not being falsely modest, a lot of this is by accident and not design. I just kind of, things, just stuff just, I tend to bump into things prophetically. Um, and I go, ooh. And, and it's because God leads and guides. And, and, and if we were to work out those roles, you know, you've talked about serving God in all sorts of, perhaps what we might say in an orthodox traditional way, you know, from children's work to youth work to house group leader to elder to pastor to regional whatever that might be I've always kind of found that my path and the things that I've ended up doing have always been a little bit unorthodox not many chaps teach four and five year olds not many guys end up being a head teacher in a Christian school or inspecting Muslim schools or end up researching things that I mean, the thing that I've always wanted to research is th- this proposal I've put together to to research what Ofsted are doing and or not doing and what they should and shouldn't be doing as far as religious freedom's concerned. And I've always thought somebody needs to do something about that. And apparently th- nothing has been written about it or researched about it. And I've kind of come across it and thought, oh, maybe I should do something about that. And then I have to say... A lot of the people that I'm talking to who are excited about that at the uni in Huddersfield, none of them are Christians. One of them's a Muslim, really nice guy. Another's um, uh, a professor from the Caribbean who's the first um, black professor of um, leadership and education in this country. And I just happened to bump into him and talk to him. And he said, I'll be your supervisor if you get a place. I said, we're only talking over coffee. Oh, don't worry about formalities. I think what you're doing is great. So it's all kind of accidentally in the wonderful plan of God. Excellent. So I'm going to ask you a couple, of yes, a couple of yes or no answer questions now. That's, that's yes or no. That's not yes with an explanation or no with a caveat. Yes or no. Um, yes. Because you're taking new... T- you, does your life and calling right now, is it, is it in the Lord... Or is this just purely accident? Or is God's hand on your life? Yes or no? It, it's yes. Is it's God's hand on your life. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. So uh, yeah, that was really. I, I should, if I'd read out what I'd written down, it would have worked. Yeah, it was a bit open-ended. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If I'd yeah. written down what you, I'd, you were giving me far too much room. Is there. God calling you into this life right now? Yeah, one hundred percent. Is your life full? Overflowing, too full, which is typical. I'm interested and excited to hear that you can be walking in God. You can have a God call, a God purpose, fulfilment, a full life, and not be a church leader, but actually be a leader for Christ. Absolutely, yeah, fantastic. Definitely. Why don't we give Gary John a massive round of applause? (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Barnes. Thank you, Mr. Bedford. I just got to call him Mr. Barnes because in the olden days, that's what I used to have to call him all the time. <laughs> yeah. While Gary John's uh, taking his seat, why don't the band come back? I've just got a couple of things to just round up with. Thank you, Gary John. Give him a round of applause again as he's going. <laughs> See, I'm really interested that sometimes we think that being a Christian 
it necessitates, it's important that we can only do that on a Sunday. You're only really fulfilled as a Christian if you are a church leader. But listen to what Gary John was talking about then. He was a teacher in a small school, and yet God has done so much with that and opened doors. And now, he, I think, he's mixing with people and, and taking a significant lead for kingdom of God being a witness and being Christ in his everyday setting and his sphere, his call is incredibly important to God uh, God's hand is on that and why did I want Gary John to look at that, to, to come and share that with us and I'm going to ask other people over the weeks to, to have similar conversations because our lives matter yeah. because your life matters because it could just be that Gary John had the hand of God upon him in his educational setting in a small primary school in Goldthorpe God began something, God began something in a small student flat with a spiral staircase, God's hand was on his life and your life can have the, the hand of God on it in your peculiar, unusual, unique you and the Lord circumstance yeah. 1 Peter three seventeen says this, but in your heart shall be a Christ as Lord always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect. You know, when we walk in Christ with gentleness and respect, there will be people that ask questions. There will be people that are the first professor. There will be people that are, are of other faiths. There will be people of universities. There will be people down your street. There will be people in the shop. For my mum recently, there was a nurse in the hospital ward that said, what is the reason for your hope? What is the reason for your hope? Let's walk in Christ let's know that on Monday morning you as a Christian your life matters your voice matters your walking with Christ in your circumstance in your setting is as important there as it is on a Sunday morning or Sunday evening and this evening if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour if you've never given your life to him please come and talk to me please talk with me and let me introduce you to just who Jesus is because your life matters too your life can be just as significant in Christ. In your heart, serve Christ as Lord. Always prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We have a hope, and it is Christ. Amen. Let's worship God as we close.